doesn't give you chills and uh you know maybe there's a little dust in the air with your eyes after listening to that and I, I remember listening to the first time of course that's the uh Super Bowl halftime show by U2 2002 when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl and it just seemed to all sink in all together there was you know only a few months after 9-11 and of course uh as we record this we are on the eve of the 16th anniversary uh, of September 11th, 2001, and the attacks. And we're going to dedicate this show uh, to that and to all who were affected by it, those who lost people. Uh, you know, both Joe and I lost some friends. And, uh, I mean, Joe's got quite the story, and we'll get into it. But, you know, the hockey world, I remember, was just uh, – it, it came together. It was affected greatly, specifically in the Boston area. With the loss of Ace Bailey, as you heard the goal clip coming in there, and we're gonna we're gonna give you an interview at the end of this podcast here on the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. We're gonna give you an interview I did with Russ Conway from Murphy's Hockey Law, but which we might not be able to use there just because of scheduling difficulty with Ian Moran and Terry Ryan and myself. I've been uh, under the weather for like a week. I was in the hospital. We'll get into that later. But uh, Joe, you you got a chance to listen to it and and just a Really a fun interview, and I, I don't mean to say, maybe fun's not the word because we're trying to remember somebody and honor them, but that, that's what Ace Bailey was, and as you heard and our listeners will hear at the end of this show, uh, he, Ace Bailey, who was lost along with Mark Davis on Flight 175 in the United Airlines, and I guess your former college roommate as well, um, yep. on the same flight, Ace Bailey was was a prankster, it sounded like. He was a joker. And, and you know, it, it's good. I like to, every year on this day, I like to 
remember him and remember all the people I lost in that type of way. And I hope as we do this show and, and we tell our stories, uh, we can, you know, bring a laugh, bring a chuckle, bring a smile to those who are affected by those attacks uh, 16 years ago today, Joe. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, never going to forget that day. I mean, I, I mean, it was, uh, I, was get, I guess I'll get into it. And then, uh, yeah, so I was working at Comcast and, uh, you know, you work and whatever. And then you hear, uh, you got a TV in the lunchroom. And you hear a plane hit the uh, Twin Towers, and we're like, yeah, whatever, you know. Well, that sounds crazy. And then you hear all the, you know, um, you know, social media was around, but it wasn't like it is today, right? So there's very little of it. I think, you know, uh, if anything, I mean, if getting an email, that was kind of the social media at the time. Um, hearing that we thought it was a single plane, we thought, you know, then we heard, then, I, you know, we went into the, the cafeteria and looked at it, and then you saw the other plane hit. And you it's like knew, exactly how my day went. It's crazy. Yeah, you knew exactly what it was. And then you hear in like rumors, oh, one when it hit Seattle, one hit this, and then, you know, it one hit the Statue of Liberty. I mean, I, you're hearing everything, it's crazy. And then, um, you know, my parents were, my dad was at, they were both in Boston, actually, because my dad had a doctor's appointment. And you know, after that, you couldn't, you know, the phone lines were tied up, you couldn't get anybody. It was scary as shit. Um, and then, you know, uh, so that happened on a Tuesday. So on Friday, I'm driving home, you know, it's been just, a, you know, just motions, period. You know, they're doing a roll call, who, you know, who passed away. And I heard my friend Brian, Brian Kinney, who I went to UMass Lowell with from 91 to 95. And him and I, he's like my first friend I made in college. You know, uh, he worked at his dad's gas station in Lowell. You know, saw him work, I always saw him walking between North and South Campus. And I'm like, give this kid, you know, a ride. He's, you know, it's raining out or whatever. So I picked him up, and then we started to strike a friendship. And the dude was like the nicest guy in the world. You know, those people like, like, did you get dropped down from heaven because you're like the nicest guy, nicest person ever? Like everybody liked him. You know, he worked. Uh, he worked his father's gas station. He put himself through school. I mean, admirable as hell. All this stuff. So I heard his name, and I'm like, nah. You know, what happens? We lost touch after you know sophomore year because he went into finance, I believe. And I went into marketing. So. Um, but, you know, still, he's part of your life. You know, the first friend you made in college, right? Because that's an awkward time. Um, and all that stuff, you just try to get your ground, if you will. And then, uh, you know, I heard his name, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't be Brian. No way. So I knew he worked for, the uh, uh, what is it, TD Water? No, it's not something Waterhouse at the time. I can't remember the name of it, but the law firm. Uh-huh. And and then, I, you know, I called them, you know, called the hotline. They're like, oh, that was him. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I was devastated. I was like, because he's like the nicest guy in the world, like, as I mentioned. And I was like, it hit me hard now because everybody's like, now you knew somebody. You know what I mean? And then uh, I couldn't go to the, well, for whatever reason, I just couldn't get down to the, the remembrance. It was just too hard. Even, you know, the service for him. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it was selfish to me, whatever. But a year or two later, I found out that his wife was pregnant um you know when he passed but then she lost the baby which was just you couldn't get any more horrible than that right and then um working a little you know 2005 i actually went down to new york city to go see the bruins versus the uh, rangers at msg which was a great time but of course i had to make time to go to ground zero because i've never been there and of course at that time in 05 they're still digging the hole out still getting the you know the the girders out and stuff like that Mm. still you know four years later um and dude, I can't tell you how powerful that was. Um, and just emotion, just emotional tears and all that stuff. It was, you know, it was, 
you went down there and said, you know, that you're thinking of them. And then every year, you know, it's still, you, you still have the emotions come back. And not only, you know, of course him, but the 3,000 Americans we lost that day in D.C. and P.A. and, uh, you know, in New York. Horrible, horrible, horrible day. Yeah. I'm with and you. I just hope, and I just hope a lot of kids out there, whoever that weren't, you know, wasn't really around or they don't remember or whatever, just remember that that's when, you know, out of the darkest of times, the greatest of people come out, like what's going on with the hurricanes. That's yep. when the real good side of humanity comes out when the, during the worst of times. So. It is. And, you know, it's a, it, unfortunately, it takes those times to remind us that it's still there. But, you know, yeah, and we want to also, to anyone listening uh, down south that's been affected by first Houston and now Florida, I mean, as we speak, I don't even want to think about what's going on in Florida. I mean, they're getting they're getting pounded right now, and uh, I just hope you know when the when the dust settles and the water comes down, you know that, that it's it's not as bad as it looks like it's going to be. But we'll see. Um, but getting back to you know to nine eleven and and just the hockey time, it, it was a crazy uh, like time in terms of hockey for me. I, I I think I might have said this on one of our podcasts. I'm not sure, but I think I told you, Joe. I mean. Uh, you know, and I wrote this in a piece with Nesson.com in 2009 that I actually found going through some of my old clips on Sunday. Um, that was my first official day Crazy. writing for the Boston Metro. That was my first official day covering the Boston Bruins was that day. And um, much like you, my day started, you know, I, I was going into, uh, I was working a temp job to make ends meet. Because I was just working for Story, I was getting about twenty-five to fifty dollars a story from the Metro. But hey, it got me a credential, it got me through the door, and it got me started. Right, right. You know, but that was my first day, and you know, I hear about that first plane as I'm driving over from Arlington, Mass, to Watertown, and I, I'm listening to WAF, and I just remember. Uh, I'm not sure if Lyndon Byers was on there at that time. You might have still been trying to make it in the NHL. But I was listening to Hillman show, and uh, you know they're like ah whatever some bonehead got shit faced out of his mind and decided to get behind the wheel of a plane and hit the World Trade Center and I'm going I'm just like yeah I don't care how messed up you are it's it's pretty hard not to avoid that it's a, it's, right. a pretty, it's a pretty big object and I'm thinking something's not right here and I get I get to the uh, to the office I was at this place called. Uh, is it called Media Map? And ironically, Matt Calvin, who covers the Bruins, uh, he's got his own thing going. He works at 98.5 The Sports Hub at times, too, and NHL.com. Uh, he was, uh, uh, like, in the desk next to me. We, we met through that job, not through media, not through covering the Bruins. We actually knew each other from that job, and he had the desk next to me. And uh, he's listening to Howard Stern as we get to the desk, and I'm like, what the f- what the hell's going on with this? And, he, and he's, he's, yeah, they think it's just some idiot. I'm like, can't be some idiot, Matt. Come on. I mean, this has to be on purpose. And he's like, well, he's like, how are they going to do that? And I'm like, I don't know, but, you know, like, it's just, it's too big to miss. Right. Uh, not to miss, excuse me. And and so uh, we're sitting there, and we go over into, like, the uh, cafeteria, just like you, and they got the big TV there, and everyone's glued to it, and, as we're watching, boom, the second plane hits. And like you said, then you knew what was going on. And, of course, that was the United flight that your friend and uh, Ace Bailey and Mark Bavis were both on. 
Uh, and it was just like, whoa. And so I actually had, and I'll get to it in a second. Um, I had a friend. Uh, actually, I'll get to it now. <laughs> I had a friend who um, was starting his job in that tower that day. Uh, he was one of my uh, UMass friends, UMass Amherst, Dave Rothenberg. He's from New Jersey, and uh, he, he's probably the only Yankees fan that I'll, I'll ever like. Uh, and he was starting a job in the tower, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's in there. So I'm scram- I'm trying to get a hold of him. I'm calling and calling. I can't get through. And then, of course, everything went down. The phones went down and what have you. And uh, I'm like, God, I, he's in there. I mean, Oh my God. And I, so I, I can't contract and nobody can even do work, you know, and this right. is a temp job. And I, I'm already been excused to leave at noon to go to the first day of Bruins training camp that day. So then I say to my boss, I'm like, look, I don't even know if I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a mess. I, my friend's in that building right now and I don't know what to do. I can't get a hold of him. And she goes, well, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, Mr. Murphy, but you're going to have to get to work. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, really? Thanks. I'm pretty sure Wall Street just shut down. I'm pretty sure everything in the world is shut down right now. And our job is to call people on this call list that you give me, this godforsaken call list, because that's what it was. It was like a call center type job, and we had a call. Oh, and, oh, yeah. yeah, and we had a call and try and get like big companies to sign on with us to advertise. And of course, that was sort of the internet was still really boom, you know, starting to get in. And, yeah. And she, I'm like, nobody's going to pick up. She's like, well, you'll just have to find out. Now get to work. And I go, well, guess what? I- I'm leaving. If you want to fire me, go ahead. And she goes, if you walk out that door, don't come back. And I go, fuck you. And I just oh. walked out, and that was that. And so I'm driving up. And I remember I'm driving up uh, 128 towards Wilmington. And I'm just about to get off in the, the Burlington-Wilmington exit there by the old, uh, I don't know if it's still there, the Showcase Cinema and the Bruins, uh, you know, PR calls and says it's canceled. I'm like, all right. So I get home and I'm, I'm just like, what the hell is, you know, you just dumbfounded it the whole day. Yep. And now it's about, I don't know, two, two fifteen, And I'm sitting there watching it with my late grandmother and running a little, she had a little TV on the kitchen table there, you know, and, and we're sitting there glued to it. And at around four, the victims start coming down. And I'm watching closely because you got to figure we live in the Northeast. The flights originated from Boston. We're going to know somebody. Yeah. And right. all our friends and people that we know that live in New York, work in New York, we're going to know somebody. And sure enough, I see mm. Ace. And then I see Mark Bavis, who I, I didn't know as well as I knew Ace. And I was just dumbfounded. And, uh, you know, so I just was kind of in a daze. And then at 6.15, it's good that we can laugh about this. My buddy from UMass calls up. He says, Jesus, why'd you leave me so many messages? What the hell's going on? What's wrong? Why are you trying to get a hold of me? So I'm like, are you just waking up? And he's like, yeah, I went on a bender. I screwed up. I guess I don't have that job. And I'm like, well, you picked the right night to go on a bender, buddy. Turn on the TV. And he turns it on and he's like, oh my God. And I said, yeah, sometimes it pays to be an alky, eh? Wow. Yeah. So that was... uh, that was our uh, my nine eleven story there, and so yeah, he was uh, he was one lucky son of a gun. I'll tell you, Joe. I mean, I mean, talk about you know you wake up, you're like, oh man, I had a brand new job, World Trade Center. I was gonna make a lot of money, and I just blew it. 
and then he finds out if he had gone, he'd be dead. Wow. You know, and and actually, you know, at the end of the show, when we segue to the uh, the Russ interview, we'll tell you a similar story about Ace, but it didn't go that well. But you know, it, it, it's just something, and it was all it was all sort of tied in, and you know, I remember. Joe, at that time, you know, the the sports world, not just the hockey world, of course the hockey world, because they always step up, just like they're doing right now. I mean, God bless the Florida Panthers for what they did, huh? I mean, Eric Joyce, the assistant GM, he he had a chance to fly to Boston with the team, and he stayed back there, him and the CEO, Matt Calwell, of the Florida Panthers, and they're sitting there helping the first responders. They're in the command center, which is the hockey rink right now. That is the command center for all the first responders in Broward Uh, County. In Dade County. And they're all hunkered down in there, and that's where they're going to stage everything from. And the CEO, Matt Calwell, the Florida Panthers, and the assistant GM, Eric Joyce, a Dorchester Mass native, uh, both Army vets, they stayed behind. Meanwhile, the team came up here. God bless the owners flying the team up here, too. And it looks like they're going to actually do their training camp out of Springfield, where their minor league team is. Oh, wow. Might think of going out there to check that out. We'll see. But um, I wonder if, um, if I remember correctly, the Tampa Bay Lightning Stadium is right on the water. Yeah, they're gonna. I, I they haven't announced anything yet. They they canceled their prospect challenge that they right. were hosting, but they're gonna have to do something too. I mean, they're they're gonna be in trouble too as these storm surges go in. Well, I mean, yeah, no one thought I was gonna go to the West Side. So yeah, uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, the one thing I remember, Joe. It's weird. We bring all these things, and, and like, I don't know, this this weird connection to all of it, and it's a good segue, is at that time, I, I remember the sports world coming together. It was awesome, and, and everything they did, and that was like, remember, they postponed the first week of football. Oh, yeah. You know, and then they had it today, and I remember all the I mean, I, I was at the, uh, I went to the Patriots got postponed, right? So they, abs- you know, they postponed the game to, what, week later or something like that. Yeah, and Joe and, and, they played, and they were playing the Jets, and that's when Bledsoe got hurt, and that's when Brady came in. Okay, so it was week two, actually. You're right. You're right. That was week two. Yep. Yeah, and, and that was when Andrewsy came flying out with the flag, right? Yeah, oh, that was awesome. Yeah, because his, his brother was a firefighter. You'd think God was all right. And then Andrewsy at the, at the uh, marathon was uh, carrying people away. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah he was wow. down there with my friend Lucas Carr. Um, but... One other thing that actually I was I was looking back, I was just thinking about that time in our lives. A thing that really was coming into play at that time, that season, that 2001 season that really started to boom was fantasy football. And, of course, we are sponsored by FanDuel, Joe. And uh, tell our listeners a little about that. And I don't know about you. Uh, I didn't have a good Sunday, but we'll get into that in a bit. But tell listeners a little bit about FanDuel. Yeah, well, FanDuel, I actually uh, did pretty well. I, well, I mean, I, I have won six dollars as of right now before Jason went and plays. So, so basically, try FanDuel for free with no deposit required. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of ten thousand dollars. Just sign up with promo code BruinsBeat one word. That's BruinsBeat. That's on FanDuel.com promo code BruinsBeat. Void where prohibited. So check it out. I mean, you can win some money. Like I said, I only play. I played a three dollar game. I as of right now, one six. I know small victories, big deal. But you know what? You prolong yourself for the season. That's what I kind of did before. You went a little bit here, went a little bit there. Then you don't have to put any extra money in. So it's fun. You know, you can win some big money. Uh, and if you have any tips, let me know because uh, Alan Robinson already went down. Danny Amendola already went down. I, 
I'm already in. The, you know, I'm already in the shit. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, injuries are uh, galore as we start the season here, and even in a preseason, obviously with uh, Julian Edelman. But you know, yeah. one thing. I mean, this is a time maybe. If you do do fantasy football, Joe, and you do FanDuel, I urge everybody to go on there. You might be able to get some of these receivers that are eventually, you hope, are going to step up into the limelight and play the role that uh, these teams that lost these receivers, you know, like an Edelman or a Robinson and, or teams that have lost clutch players. This is when we find out who's going to rise to the top there in these first few weeks. So it's always a good chance to take a, a chance on them when they're cheap. Because I guarantee some backup receiver, some four-string receiver right now is real cheap. Three weeks from now, he's going to have had a brilliant game and, and broke out. And you're not going to be able to get the deal you can now. So this is the time to hop on those guys. Get on FanDuel right now. We definitely urge you for that. Listen, we're going to get back to our, our 9-11 tribute. And obviously, as we start the show, you can tell it means a lot to Joe and I. Um, and we're going to get back to that as I, I did an interview with Russ Conway for Murphy's Hockey Law, which at this time we're unsure if we're going to be able to use because uh, I, as I said earlier, I've had a, a really some unknown virus, uh, but it left me in the hospital twice. And uh, it's been one of those weeks. And then uh, Ian Moran has been pretty busy coaching and Terry Ryan is uh, running for city council in St. John, Newfoundland, and he is acting in a movie. Up there, so uh, Murphy's hey. Hockey Law likely won't get back going in, in earnest until uh, next Sunday. But uh, we figured, why not use this gem of an interview we have with Russ Conway uh, about Ace Bailey to close our show out? So we'll get to that in a bit. Joe, let's get into the uh, the latest on the Boston Bruins. They have we're recording this on a Sunday, September tenth, and uh, on nine eleven. Ironically, and I was thinking about that. I was supposed to go to the tournament. I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird, you know, and reminded me driving to training camp that day, but I won't be at it. But tomorrow, or from what we're speaking right now, they are having their annual golf tournament. All the players come back. They do some media stuff. To be honest, it's a waste of time anyways. It's in the middle of East Bumfuck in Central Mass, and you really can't get any good one-on-one opportunities. So I'm going to wait till training camp. I think I know where it is. It's in Bolton. Yeah, the International, yeah. Is that right near you? No, I actually, uh, I interviewed there a couple times before. <laughs> okay, but is that near Groton? Uh, no, Bolton's about, uh, uh, 495 for me is about 30 minutes. Oh, okay. But it is, yeah. it's in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, it's, it's, a, no, it's a really nice uh, complex. It's beautiful, but it, it's a hike to go to if you're not really going to get a good story. So well, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to save, I'm going to save my gas and my time and I'm going to wait till Thursday, uh, till training camp opens. And, and Joe, I think we're in agreement. Uh, when training camp opens on Thursday, there isn't going to be a David Pasternak there for the Bruins, is there? Uh, no, a lot of people have been asking about him today. I, I, I don't know. As I said, yeah, I'm just sick of this shit. It's drawn out crap again. I heard they were working on what, an eight-year deal, but still $6 million a year, which I don't know is really accomplished anything because he's still not getting his money. He's getting uh, years, but he's still not getting his money. So, I mean, I think he should get probably – Seven, right? I think around there. I think it's his market value. But if they're not going to budge over, you know, another $8 million, I mean. Joe, I'll tell you this right now, and this is not good news, but I, I had a, uh, a pretty reliable source uh, on, on Sunday tell me that Jeremy Jacobs right now 
is using this, and he he's alerted Don Sweeney and Cam Neely of it. He's trying to use this stalemate and wait it out and, and win this battle this guy. to curb the rising salaries and contracts that, so that, his, that his CBA created and that he allowed to happen. And now he's going to take it out on his own team and prevent them from having their superstar player and likely, likely he will get traded. That was what I was told on Sunday, that this has become a not only a, a stalemate between the Boston Bruins and David Pasenek and his agent, but this is going to become sort of a stalemate between owners and players. And Jacobs is willing to wait this out and ride it out until the Pasenek camp breaks. And if they don't, so be it. That's what I've been oh, told. You know what? You know what? Fuck that guy. I'm, I'm so and, sick of it. And, and F those people last week, or the last episode we recorded, who on your Facebook Live there, would tell me, lay off the guy. We want a cop. And he spends to the cap, blah, blah, blah. You can't change the stripes on a zebra, right? There well, I mean, I mean, this kind of segues what he did with the LaPointe shit. He, he just, that's what he does. He does shit like this. Yeah. So he he's sacrificing the good of his team. For, for the bigger picture. And I get it. I mean, I know where he's... I get where he's coming from. Look, Joe, I think we both agree. I don't think Leon Dreisett will deserve what he got. And I don't no. think David Pasenek deserves what he's asking for. I just David don't. I don't think either player has enough under their belt to earn that money thus far. And, and, and that's not a knock on them. I think they eventually reach that point. They could do it very soon. But, I mean, that's the way the market's going. And that market has gotten there... Because these owners, led by Jeremy Jacobs, who is the biggest hawk of them all there, they let it get to this. So so now I ask, okay, well, you know, it's not like you don't have the money, Jeremy. It really isn't, okay? You charge enough for tickets. I mean, you've got the money. You have so many other sources of money. You're really going to use this to set an example and, and, and screw your team as they're on an upward swing right now? But that's, yep. that's what I'm hearing. That's how I think it's going to go based on what I'm hearing. He doesn't give shits. He doesn't care. No, he doesn't. He's only, no. you know, they said when he went in the Hall of Fame, they were trying to, you know, sing his accolades there. And they were saying, oh, and, you know, he's got a Stanley Cup on his resume. Yeah, wow. One Stanley Cup, 42 years and counting. Whoopee. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that's Hall of Fame quality. Yay. Well... Now the true Jeremy Jacobs is coming out again, just as it did when that story about the, the local charity and, and helping kids build their ranks came out. The real Jeremy Jacobs always surfaces. And you Hall of Fame voters, you were duped. You're a bunch of suckers. How you can let this man into the Hall of Fame is beyond me. You love him as much as I love Shirelli and Claude. But uh, you guys are completely... But I take Shirelli over him any day. At least Shirelli did bring us a Jeremy Jacobs didn't bring us a cup. Peter Shirelli well, brought us a cup. He orchestrated that team, along with some help from prospects and plays from Mike O'Connell, who I give a lot of credit to. But, you know, that's that. And, you know, if that's the only cup that we're ever going to see out of the Jacobs regime, which is probably true because I don't think we're going to see another cup here until he dies... But then you got to see Charlie. I, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll take those Chiarelli 
crazy contracts. I'll take him. What does he do? What does he do? He did a lot. He did plenty of trades. He signed Char and Savard, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. You have to be a, a complete sucker and buffoon and, and really blinded by your own agenda to think oh, that he didn't orchestrate those contracts. Charlie Jacobs, not Shirelli. He's just saying Charlie? No, I'm saying Shirelli. No, I'm saying Charlie Jacobs. Oh, what you're saying he, what did Charlie do? What does he do? He raised his horses and opened his mouth when he shouldn't. Yeah, he doesn't do much, does he? No. Raise the cup over. I will give them this, though. And look, I'm just telling it like it is. I have nothing personally against either of them. I will give them this. They do do a lot of charity. They do do a lot within the community. I've, I've covered the NHL in a different market. I've been around. I've traveled a lot. I know a lot of people in different markets. And I have to say, I mean, I don't know if it's Jacobs. I, obviously, he oversees it. I, just, I have to credit the Bruins. So when, when, when we criticize very heavily, as we're doing right now, the ownership, we're not doing it on a personal level. I, I do respect some other things he's done, but this is, this is crazy. This is just old stuff that we've always dealt with, and it's, it's rearing its ugly head again. It's like the I mean, 90s. It's like the uh, late 80s and early 90s when the Bruins should have won maybe two cups, and they couldn't because they wouldn't pay for that extra player. I feel bad for the season ticket holders. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you get, really? Beside, I, I, uh, wish, I wish more fans, Joe, would go to, like, the, you know, the AHL and the ECHL games. I mean, you get in the C. I saw uh, this guy, uh, he's on Twitter, uh, at Bruins Network. He was posting some cool pics from Providence. I mean, you get in the C, the future stars, and, and almost immediate stars, because they're bringing all the answers that you see them for a much cheaper price. But, so... You know, as we're saying there, it's just back to the old ways, and it looks like we're just going to have to deal with it that way. The good thing is there is a lot of positives around training camp. I know I know that's going to loom heavily over training camp, the whole pasta situation. But, Joe, I mean, I don't know about you. I can't remember being this excited about a youth infusion that we're currently seeing. We already start last year primarily with uh, Charlie McAvoy in the playoffs. Um, it's crazy, too. Wasn't it weird kind of seeing Charlie McAvoy on the rookie uh, roster for the rookie challenge when, when he played in the playoffs last year? It's like, wow. Hi. He's showing up. They're going, yeah, that's right, boys. I have six playoff games under my belt. What do you got? Huh? You know, this kind of reminds me of when they had the uh, influx uh, years ago, from back from the uh, Olympics. Joe Juno, Steve Hines days? Hines, what, Donato, Joey Juno, Clock Don Kelly. Yeah. That was a good that, that, that propelled them, if if I recall correctly. That was the year they swept the Habs in the second round. And they ended up by they then ended up getting swept by the eventual back to back champions, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um but, you know, yeah, I mean it you know it, it helps a team. You don't it, it, it puts a fire under the vets' butts as well, right? It lights a fire under their butt because now they know. Oh, I'm a, I'm in a battle here. My I don't have like I don't have this spot secured. Doesn't matter what my contract says. You see these young kids and these you know these kids that really are going in there with nothing to lose. Uh, I'd say well McAvoy is maybe the the only one, but you know they go in there. They're they're coming to win a job. And they've got a, they have probably as good a chance as any that I've seen in covering this team. 
I mean, if you think about it, like the thing you referenced there, those guys came out of the Olympics. They didn't mm-hmm. come into training camp. These guys are coming right. in the beginning of the season. So if you're some kind of, uh, you know, third-line vet on the tail end of your career here, and, and you're – I mean, even – I don't care that he has the contract. I'm David Bax. I'm looking at it like, I better have a good comeback year here, man. My playing time's going to dwindle with these kids. Right. Don't you agree? No, I completely agree. It's good. It's good that they got, you know, they get that youth infusion. You know, you could, they kind of did that, uh, what, in 11 with Sagan and uh, well, McCoy, uh, I'm trying to think of McQuaid. He's only a couple years, I think, in the league. The same year. That was the same year. Yeah, I think that, you know, McQuaid at that time, him, God, I wrote, um, oh, Marshawn was pretty new. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they all were fairly young. So uh, that, that was like the, the youth infusion they needed at that time to win the cup. And uh, they got, you know, they have, they're going through it again. Uh, because, you know, let's be honest, uh, the Charles 40, how old's Bergie now? 32? Around there, right? I think, um, you know, Crutchy's over 30. I mean, the guy, you know, Tuka hit 30. They're all, you know, the window is getting smaller. So they got to, kind of like what the Blackhawks do, right? The guys get, either they get, they let them go, they get older, and they, they continually backfill. So that's what the Bruins finally are doing. I wish it was like three years earlier, but. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, you look right now. I'm trying to pull up the rookie roster here, um, but I mean, let's just look at the roster because I think they're gonna have everybody. that's coming. yeah, they've got everybody that's coming to camp. So I mean, you look at the young players right now, and if I'm Anton Hudobin, I'm scared <laughs> right now. Whether you know, whether I'm better than him or not, Zane McIntyre is coming to get my job right now. Oh, for sure. Ain't Subban, that's for sure. Yeah. Subban's a bust. I don't know how to sign him, but we've already he's talked a, he's about He's a bust. And then yes. you look at the D, you know, these are guys that could push for jobs right now. You got Zaboro, O'Gara. Obviously, McAvoy's got a job. Uh, Lousen. All right. Grizzlick. All these guys are coming in with legit shots at getting a spot on the one to seven depth chart of the Boston Bruins defense this year, you look at the offense, the, the forwards. Uh, you go down right now. Well, Noah Carey was already there, but so he's got a good shot coming back in. You've got uh, Kenny Agostino. I don't. I think he was brought on to be more with the AHL team, but you never know. Uh, right. You got Anders Bjork, uh, Anton Bly, uh, Peter Seherik, uh Austin Zarnick. Jake DeBrusque, Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, Jacob Forsbacker Carlson, JFK, uh, Jesse Gabriel, who's had an amazing rookie uh, tournament, uh, Donton Hannon, uh, you know, the list goes on. Sean right. Corley, who had a huge playoff series. Uh, Tim Schaller is already in there for sure. Uh, Zach Shenshin, who Scotty Bowman praised in Buffalo there uh, in an interview with Joe McDonald. Uh, oh, nice. You know, I mean... This is this is going to be a wild camp, man. I, I don't remember a camp right. that Logan. is going to be this competitive in my time covering the Bruins. Did Donato's going back to school, right? Or is he? I, well, I mean, you know, no, he's in camp. All right, so he's in camp. There's another one. So oh, not Donato. Yeah, Donato's not in camp. Ryan Fitzgerald's in camp. Okay, so Donato went back to school, right? Correct. Okay, right. So yeah, I mean. All those guys I know, right? Like before, you know, every camp with these new kids, most of them you didn't hear of or know of or whatever. A lot of these come with a lot of fanfare. So 
like you said, there's going to be guys on the fringe that are, you know, going to be fighting for their jobs because these kids are hungry, you know. So I'm looking forward to it. It's exciting. I mean, uh, our uh, buddy Jason Buckley used to say, my, the old podcast used to say, you got to have patience, you got to have patience. And I was always like, Jesus, I'm 44. I don't have enough patience left. You know, but he's true. It's true, absolutely. Now, because they they got the youth uh, infusions coming, the injections coming, that shot the arm they need. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I hear you, buddy. Well, listen, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be exciting. We're going to get back in our regular groove. I know we had a little break there uh, thanks to our schedule. It was, you know, last week was Labor Day. Um, well, if, you can, if you can start coming down with uh, STDs and the Ebola, be- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wish it was STDs because I mean I'm having fun. But you know, anyhow, uh, <laughs> the the thing is, man, we're gonna get in a regular groove, and I'm psyched. I yeah. mean, hockey, hockey's back; it, it's hit me now. I mean, it's, Murph's got his groove back. It, okay. It's back. Yeah, Stella's got her groove back. Murph's got his groove back. Uh, yeah, we're showing our age now. Listen, oh, yeah. buddy, uh, as I said, though, we're going to finish it off now. We're going to pitch it over this interview I did with Russ Conway, and he just tells some hilarious uh, Ace Bailey stories. And, you know, I... I oh, can you I tell our younger, uh, younger uh, viewers and listeners uh, who Russ Conway is? Just give me a little oh, yeah. Time. Okay, well, I mean, you should know, especially any aspiring uh, hockey journalists out there that are listening to this. Russ Conway uh, was a Hockey Hall of Fame writer. He covered the Bruins for, I, I think, almost 40 years. Uh, he was also the man who brought to justice uh, Alan Eagleson, who was one of the uh, the head lawyers uh, for the NHLPA and also the agent of Bobby Orr. Uh, oh. And Russ discovered uh, through Orr, he was he was very tight with Bobby Orr, uh, and, and through some hard research, and he ended up making a, an award-winning book out of it as well. Uh, but Russ discovered that Alan Eagleson was skimming money off the pensions of the players and off the money that was coming to them, uh, as well as off his clients, one of them being Bobby Orr. And, you know, people, I'm sure, you youngsters, when you hear about Bobby Orr, you probably wonder, how the hell, Jeremy Jacobs, that bad that he traded traded Bobby Orr? Like, how bad can, you know what, to Jeremy Jacobs' defense, he's not that bad, uh, Jeremy Jacobs, much like everyone else involved, was completely and utterly duped by one Alan Eagleson, who lied not only to the Bruins, uh, but also to Bobby Orr. He, he went to the Bruins and said, you know, that, you know, Bobby doesn't want to do this deal. And, and then he went to Bobby and he said, they don't want you and all this. And, he, and both were lies. And Bobby was supposed to get part of the team, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and, and he didn't even tell him this. And so Bobby said, "All right, let's do the trade to Chicago. Let's go." And of course, you know, by that time Bobby was done, and he realized it and retired. How many games did he play for Chicago? Like six? He didn't play that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like an asterisk. Uh, but you know, this guy was the devil. He, he was he was a complete asshole, and he was stealing money from players left and right. And Rush Conway exposed this. And Alan Eagleson ended up going to federal prison because of it. Uh, so Russ is very much revered uh, by a lot of uh, NHL Hall of Famers and a lot of NHL greats and, and pretty much any NHL player up until about 1995 to 2000 where he started to sort of phase out a bit. Um, but he's still in touch. He's still in touch with young players. He's very tight with Patrice Bergeron. 
He still does a lot for the Players Association. Uh, nice. and, and during his time covering the Bruins, the big bad Bruins, he became very close uh, with Ace Bailey. You know, I, I'm not sure I really expanded on it earlier. My connection to Ace Bailey is I was working for the New York Islanders when I came out of college, 2000-2001 season, living in Long Beach, New York, which was ravaged by 9-11 because they were all firefighters and cops. Um, but I was working with the Islanders when I met Ace Bailey because I would check in the scouts and the media. I was uh, the post-grad intern that would sit at that table and give the credentials. And, you know, I just remember the first time he came in, he detected my Boston accent and said, I'm Ace Bailey. I played for the Bruins. I said, oh, I, I yeah. My grandfather told me about you. And he goes, did I drink with him? <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm like, yeah, probably. And uh, he's like, yeah, probably over at the fours, eh? And so, uh, you know, Right away, we hit it off, and he would come in, and he'd joke with me, and we'd, we'd just talk, talk, and he would bring us uh, to bars after the games, and he'd try to set me up with the uh, the, the female interns all the time, and be like, hey, it's Murph guy's a great guy. You should really go for him. He's, he was great. He's just an awesome guy, and uh, he, always, he always took time for anybody. You know, right. I told him what I was trying to do, and he, he'd always follow up and offer his help, and... Uh, he was, he was a great man, and I and I you know as I said, I Long Beach too. I I lost about seven friends that day, and uh, it was uh, it was a tough time. And so uh, you know, before we send it off to our interview with Russ Conway here, we hope he he brings a smile to your face as you as we honor uh, the victims of nine eleven and all those who were affected. Uh, you know, Joe, I'm sure I'm speaking for you. Uh, this this one goes out to them. This goes out to your friend. I'm sorry for your loss, Joe, and um, Same here, yeah. sorry for everyone. And, and we also want to send our our thoughts and prayers and, and let everyone in uh, in the eye of the hurricanes um, know that you're in our thoughts. And uh, God bless the uh, the Panthers and the Bruins and the Red Sox. What they did on Sunday and right. and everyone else chipping in down there to the first responders. Uh, we salute you. Uh, so here, we'll send you off with this Russ Conway interview. This has been another edition of the Bruins Beat. Enjoy. And we are joined here by Hall of Fame hockey writer Russ Conway. Covered the Bruins in the NHL for many years. Uh, and with 9-11, the anniversary now uh, coming up, uh, we thought it would be nice to reflect back on a, a, a NHLer and a, a Boston Bruin, an Edmonton Oiler, a Stanley Cup champion, Ace Bailey, Garnet Ace Bailey who was lost uh, 16 years ago today. Um, and joining me now, like I said, is Russ Conway. And Russ knew Ace very well, didn't you, Russ? Yeah, well, he's a good friend. I mean, not only a player to cover, but he became a a very good friend. And uh, what a wonderful person, not, not just as a, uh, a player. He, he was the type of player every team wants. And by that, I mean, he wasn't the most talented guy. He's smart, but he kept the room loose. He always, uh, he had great timing for a practical joke, uh, telling a joke, uh, he had a wonderful personality, always smiling. And, uh, both with his teammates and the media, uh, he's a good guy. And uh, I miss him. Uh, every team wishes they had an East Bailey. Yeah, and I know one uh, Wayne Gretzky, the great one, was very fond of him. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Were they roommates, Russ? 
Well, uh, at one time when he went to uh, Edmonton at the end of his career, they were. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, you, you talk about him as a player. What Sometimes, of course, today's fans probably wouldn't remember, but he played a, a, a big role in the 72 Stanley Cup here in Boston. They didn't. The year before, they had lost uh, game two to Montreal in the opening round after leading five to one. They ended up losing it seven to five. And so the finals roll around in 72 and the opening game at the Garden, the Bruins are cruising along five to two in the early in the third period. Well, sure enough, the Rangers come back and they score three goals. It's under three minutes to play. I remember it like yesterday. I mean, Shaky Walton sprung uh, Ace, and Ace looked like uh, a rabbit at the dog track taken off. And he went in on Eddie Jackman at full speed and <laughs> scores the goal, keeps going right into the crossbar and the, and the <laughs> post. Oh. I mean, it it absolute full speed. Well, he won the game, so I go to see, uh, go to ask him a couple of things afterwards, and I'm looking at him and I said, "Geez, that 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 was a timely goal." I, How do you feel? How would you feel? <laughs> he couldn't even talk. He says, "I almost took my stomach out." <laughs> he said, I'll never forget it. He, but it was a big goal because they went on to win it, and of course they they went on to win the series later on and win the cup. But uh, Ace, you know, he 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 was the the type of player that would come through for you, if not with a goal or setting one up. He was physical, and, and I've always said that playing the crash, I guarantee you. Uh, he went down fight. He he went into that building taking somebody on. He he stood up for his teammates and friends and uh, you know he he was a character. I mean I could tell you hundreds of stories about him <laughs> off the ice, but half of them I can't tell you. you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. We were playing we were playing golf one time at Andover Country Club. And uh, I, I, rem- I remember it like yesterday. We're just starting out and we're on the fifth hole. Uh, it was a scramble, hot fun tournament. And it was the boat hole. If you got a hole in one, you win the boat. And Ace was looking at the boat sitting over on the corner off the key box. He, says, he goes over and looks, hey, come here, help me. And in it is this extra large cooler stock full of beer. He says, come on, I'll walk. And I said, where are we putting this? Right in the passenger seat of our car. We went around giving beer to everybody. He walked the whole course. <laughs> it was supposed to be for everybody to teed off. You know, he he wanted to be the one that was having the fun all the time. Another time, he, we were at a golf tournament. We were going to play... I think we were playing on a Wednesday, and it was a Wednesday. And Steve Schubert used to have a tournament in Manchester, New Hampshire, on a Friday. And uh, I show up on Friday. I mean, we were at Andover Country Club on Wednesday. And uh, I uh, saw Jerry Chavis. And 
he said, you were the ace, weren't you? And I said, yeah. He says, have you talked to him? I said, yeah, Wednesday. He said, well, his wife called my wife this morning looking for him. Kathy said. <laughs> And then Ace just shows up. He's scruffy. And I looked at him. He's got the same shirt on from Wednesday. So I got to go to the pro shop, get another shirt. I says, whoa. Cheesy said, your wife called Betty. And then Cheesy comes around the corner. He says, hey, call your wife. He says, why? She's looking for you. She's going to call the cops. So he, to listen to him on the phone, he this is when cells had first come out. He calls, and she, and Kathy, yeah, Ace here, yeah, don't, don't pay the ransom. I just escaped. <laughs> yeah, that was him. I actually, I got to know him, Russ. I was uh, when I first started off in 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 hockey media. I was doing a, a post grad internship with the Islanders down on Long Island, you know, and I was living down there. And so I, I was the guy always checking in the media and the scouts. Uh, you've been to the old Coliseum there down at the entrance there where they'd come in. And I mean, this Anytime. guy, yeah, you know, he would come in and, you know, I, I, I never met him and he comes in and, uh, we're talking and I say, you know, here's your pass, Mr. Bill. And, and he, I don't know, he could recognize the Boston accent or something. He's from Boston. I said, yep. Said, oh well, you know, I I used to play for the Bruins, Garnet Ace Billy. Nice to meet you. And uh, the next thing I know, he's sitting there for about a half hour, telling me story after story. And this is only the first time I met him. And then every time he would come in and have a new joke or a new story for us, he would take us across the way there to the uh, what is it, the Marriott that's right there where everybody would go to. That's right where it was. Yeah, champions. Where we used to stay, we'd stay there and the Island Hotel, one or the other. Yep. And. He yeah. would light that place. They all knew him. You know, everybody knew him there. And he'd, uh, he'd just, everybody would be in stitches the whole night. When he was scouting for, in fact, he was flying to L.A. when he he uh, was killed. But when he was scouting for L.A., he was the head uh, pro scout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every so often he'd go and he'd check out some players around here. So I saw him one night at a Lock Monsters game. Uh, down the wall, and you know we went out afterwards, uh, had a couple of brews, and uh, he says, "Are you doing uh, Bruins tomorrow night?" And I said, "No, I'm going to do one more Monsters game. The Bruins play on Thursday." So he said, uh, oh, "You won't see me. I'm going to Worcester. I got a nice Cats game. I want to see a kid there." And so. Couple of days go by and go back to the Lock Monsters game, and of course they feed you before the game. I walk in and there's Ace. And I just Ace. I thought you were going to whistle. Oh, I am, but they have better food here. I'll leave right afterwards. He was, he was taking the food in the in the press room. He was having his meal there. Then he was driving down 495 to go to Worcester. <laughs> Yeah, he's a, it was a character. I had a I had a golf club. It was a, a driver called an Asa, A-C-E-R, a little good stick. And Ace would look at my bag every time. He says, "You still got my stick? Let me use that thing." We were playing in Paul Stewart's tournament one time. He took the thing. I never thought I'd get it back. Then the next tournament, I saw him. He says, "Here, 
I bought one. He said, that's a good one. You know, just played with it, kept telling people he <laughs> had the club named after him. He, he, like I said, you can go on and on. You know, when he first came up, uh, I used to go to London, Ontario, to their training camp. Uh-huh. And uh, Milt was the general manager. Anyways, it finally comes down to uh, cuts. And uh, there was Ace, uh, Billy Lazook, and I think... Barry Gibbs, and he's finally going to send him to Hershey. The Bruins are going back to Boston. So, uh, <laughs> Milt told this story later on. Milt kept calling Frank Mathers and saying, you know, uh, I, I sent you three pretty good players. Well, you watch them. One of them I'll probably walk back up here, maybe two. As it turned out, all three of them came up. But Mathers started calling Milt. When did they leave? Well, I, they left like on Tuesday. And it's Thursday, and they're not there yet. Hershey, Pennsylvania. Then it's Friday. They don't show up yet. And Mill's saying, what the heck is going on? They just paid them, right? You know? Yeah. They show up there, and that's it. Finally, they showed up at practice. They, It's a great story. It's folklore in the American League. The Ace had rented a uh, convertible in London, Ontario. They stopped everywhere between London, Ontario and Hershey, Pennsylvania. You can imagine. <laughs> so they pull it up to the rink in, in Hershey. And the door is open. They drive in. They drive the convertible right in, right up to the rink door, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the Zamboni goes out on the ice and there they are, honking the horn, right? Guys are coming over. We're here. You know, the three of them. Larry, Moe, and Curly. Jeez. Oh, I mean, yeah. he would do anything, Ace. You know? yeah. he, married, he married a good woman, and they had a kid, Todd. He, he played for a while. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, now his legend lives on. You know, they made that Ace's uh, place there at the hospital. Yep. And they, they they have an annual dinner and everything. He uh, he was one of a kind you, you meet in your life. Uh, I, I I miss him. Uh, he's fun. Every time you think of Ace Bailey, at least me. And I know others that were around him. Uh, Johnny Busey, Bobby Orr, treat him like a brother. Uh, Eddie Johnson, Cashman. Uh, they, you, you smile. Every time you think of Ace. Yeah. And, uh, just a good guy and uh, certainly not to be forgotten. I'm hoping someday uh, the Bruins do what Toronto do, does. Toronto retires numbers, but they can still be used by special players. Mm-hmm. And if they ever retired number 14, of course, you could turn flam it. You could retire the two of them together, mm-hmm. and uh, and there are some other numbers that qualify for that same thing. I would hope they would think of that because uh, special guy. I'm glad you thought of him. Uh, this is uh, you know it's the right time, and uh, hopefully uh, 
There'll be more than you and I. Smiling through, just like you always do. Till the blue skies drive the dark clouds far away. And will you please say hello to the folks that I know? Tell them that I won't be long, and they'll be happy to know that as you saw me go, I was singing this song. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day.